Welcome to the Creepaway Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We're here every Wednesday with a new murder. This is your host, Caitlin Hedrick. Let's dig in. Warning, the following episode includes sex, murder, affairs, and burning of dead bodies. Parental supervision is advised. This is the story of Rose Harsnet. In 1902, in the town of Pinson Hall in Suffolk, England, there was a scandal that was whispered through the streets. A relationship between a married elder and a dedicated unmarried church member was talked about all over town. He was the leader of the choir and she was one of the choir members. Rose Harsnett was 22 and a servant at Providence House where one of the Baptist elders, William Crisp, and his wife lived. During her spare time, Rose was involved at her church, especially with her choir. William Gardner was a primitive Methodist elder and was in his mid-40s. He'd been married for 14 years to Georgina Caddy, and they had eight children, six of whom survived infancy. He was a foreman at the seed drill and was supposedly a dedicated Christian, but who really knows? He taught Sunday school, was the leader of the choir, and was an assistant society steward. In May of 1901, one night, two men who lived in Pinson Hall, George Wright and Alfonso Skinner, saw Rose Harsnett go into a building called the Doctor's Chapel, and then they saw William Gardner follow her into the small building. The men then decided the best course of action was to put their ears against the wall to listen to what was happening inside. I'm not really sure how well they could have heard inside from the outside wall, but there wasn't as good construction as we have now, and the walls were thinner, so not too sure on that. They said they heard... What sounded like sex noises and Rose laughing. They then said that they heard Rose say she had been reading about Tamar and Odin in Genesis 38. And that what happened in that chapter is the same thing that was happening between her and her partner then. In that chapter of Genesis, Odin would waste his semen on the ground. Personally, I think maybe she should have focused on the part of the story where God put Odin to death because of his sins. That might have been a little bit more important. Wright and Skinner couldn't keep the juicy details to themselves. And so they shared this story to everyone in Pinson Hall. William Gardner was furious, as to be expected, And denied the accusations. He also insisted that the two men needed to apologize to him for their gossip. The men refused and said that they were telling the truth. The Methodist church in the area had a small trial of sorts where Wright, Skinner, and Gardner 
all testified, but they didn't have Rose testify. Because there was no proof and it was really just hearsay, the elders decided to announce the matter unproven. They were hoping that with time, people would forget about the whole situation and just move on. They weren't really very lucky with that. The Methodist pastor or elder, Henry Rouse, later said that he saw Gardner and Harsnett walking down a side road together alone at night. After he saw that, he gave Gardner a lecture about propriety. He then claimed that while he was preaching in the pulpit one Sunday, he saw Gardner in the choir with his feet up in Harsnett's lap. Gardner denied that either one of these things had occurred. Honestly, I don't think that Gardner would have put his feet up in Harsnett's lap. That just doesn't make any sense. Whether they were having an affair or not, why would he take Sunday morning service as a good time to put his feet in the lap of the woman he's having an affair with in front of the entire congregation? That just doesn't make any sense. At some point in November of 1901, Harsnett became pregnant. She attempted to cause a miscarriage, but was unsuccessful. She then proceeded to try to hide her condition, though she knew it would eventually blow up in her face because eventually a baby comes. She knew this would eventually cause her to lose her job and reputation in the town. She never told anyone who the father of her child was or talked about the situation with anyone at all. It is worth noting that Mrs. Gardner denied the possibility of William Gardner having an affair with Harsnett. And also, Harsnett continued to spend time visiting the Gardners. They remained friends despite the accusations of the affair. I feel like if they had had an affair and had been found out like that, that Gardner would have caused some distance between them rather than continuing to be friends with them. On June 1st, 1902, William Harsnett went to Providence House to bring clean linen to his daughter Rose. He thought the house was unusually quiet, but then discovered Rose's body on the kitchen floor. She'd been stabbed several times in her throat and chest, and one of the cuts slashed her throat from ear to ear. She also had defensive injuries that showed she had tried to fight off her attacker. The body had been burned in an attempt to hide evidence, but really all it did was burn her clothing. It is said that the room smelled like paraffin, and there was a broken bottle of liquid paraffin found beside the body that was prescribed to Mrs. Gardner's children. That was literally the prescription on the bottle that said that. Liquid paraffin is much like mineral oil. It's used for constipation or eczema in children. There was also a charred newspaper called East Anglican Daily Times which the Crisp family did not subscribe to, but the Gardeners did. The assumption was that the paper and paraffin 
were used to try to burn Harsnet's body to get rid of the evidence. But both of these items can be explained away because Mrs. Gardner claims that she had refilled the bottle with camphor oil and given it to Harsnet. And the paper could have easily been borrowed by Harsnet because she was friends with Gardner's. Or it could have been from one of the other houses in the town. There was a large amount of blood, but there were no footprints in the blood. So, the murderer must have stabbed Harzanet in the chest a few times, and then turned her around and slashed her throat. When Harzanet's room was searched, the police found numerous letters of a promiscuous nature. The most recent letter had been from the day before, and it said... I will try to see you tonight at 12 o'clock at your place. If you put a light in your window at 10 o'clock for about 10 minutes, then you can take it out again. Don't put, don't have a light in your room at 12 as I will come round to the back. The handwriting was much like William Gardner's, but handwriting experts couldn't agree on whether or not it was his. So it was really kind of invalid evidence. The Gardner house was 200 yards from the Providence residence, and neighbors said that Gardner was on his front porch around 10 the night before. Some also said that there was a light in Harsnet's window at the same time. A gamekeeper, James Morris, had been on the main road at 5 a.m. and saw that there were muddy footprints from the Gardner house to Providence house and back again. He also provided a sketch of the footprints to the police, but this claim was not checkable, so we have no way of knowing if this happened or not. Also, the rain was so severe that the probability of the footprints still being there at 5 a.m. just doesn't sound very probable. It didn't take long for the police to arrest William Gardner for the murder of Rose Harsnett and her unborn child. Gardner uh, denied any involvement and denied that he was the father of Harsnet's child. The trial was in November of 1902. The prosecutor was one of Charles Dickinson's sons, which I thought was pretty interesting. He was placed with the burden of having very little actual proof. The defense lawyer, Ernest Wilde, promoted the idea that the killer was a young neighbor, Frederick James Davis, who had given Harsnet the pornographic poems and a book on abortion, which is what she used to try to cause her miscarriage, and it was very unsuccessful. He admitted that he had sent Harsnet erotic letters and was sexually attracted to her. There was no motive for David to kill Harsnet, though, so the judge gave him a lecture on inappropriate conduct, and he was dismissed as a suspect. The defense also insisted that there was no proof that Gardner had a relationship with Harsnet, and that it was simply gossip that had turned the people of the town against him. Wilde insisted that Rouse had simply claimed he had seen a relationship between Gardner and Harsnet because he was jealous of Gardner or maybe he didn't like him for whatever reason. He also claimed that James Morris was simply mistaken or lying about the footprints he saw. 
Georgina Gardner claimed that her husband was home the whole night and woke up at 8.30. She said she had been up because she wasn't feeling very well and a neighbor reported that hearing her go to bed at 4 a.m. The walls were very thin, so the neighbor said she could literally hear her go to bed. The next-door neighbor, Amanda Pepper, testified that she had been awake because of the storm that night and had not seen anyone leave the Gardner house. The trial ended with the jury unable to come to a conclusion. The jury was 11 to 1 guilty. Therefore... Gardner was retried in 1903. The second trial was virtually the same, except that Harsnett's younger brother admitted in this trial that he had taken notes between Gardner and his sister. It's very odd that he changed his story on that and that it was a year later. So who knows if he was correct on that or if he had just created this idea in his head that happened based off of the gossip that had been going around town. I mean, who really knows? Wilde stated that the proof was not enough to convict Gardner beyond reasonable doubt, and therefore he should be acquitted. Dickens insisted that all the proof they had pointed toward Gardner as the murderer. This trial, again, ended with the jury unable to agree on whether or not Gardner was guilty, but this time... It was 11 to 1 innocent. The prosecution decided that there was no point in another trial because they just didn't have very much evidence, so they let Gardner go. The Gardner family then moved to London to disappear into the masses. William Gardner later died in 1941. Kevin Torton has written several books on unsolved murder and wrote about this case in his book called Britain's Unsolved Murders. He believes that William Gardner was innocent. Because of the rumors spread all over town, Gardner was prejudiced in the eyes of the people. If you believe that a man is guilty of something, then you are likely to find proof for that belief. And this is what Torton bases his assumption on. The idea is that this has been so prejudiced that he was arrest arrested because of that prejudice. And there was simply not enough tangible proof that he was guilty. It is likely that the locals had already decided he was guilty in their mind, and so they were fabricating things that didn't necessarily happen. He says that if the crime had happened today, and the murder would have been solved rather quickly because of DNA evidence. He suggests the father of Rose Harzenet's child was someone other than Gardner, and the murder, the murderer was done by someone else as well. Because of where the two houses are in relation to each other, the view of Harzenet's window from the Gardner house was only a 45-degree angle. Therefore, the visibility of the candle in the window was not great. The candle could be more easily seen from in front or near to the house. This suggests that the note was from someone else. Julian Fellows, on his TV show in 2005 called Julian Fellows Investigates, suggests that it was the wife who murdered Harsnet, or possibly the wife and the husband together. Because of the neighbor's testimony, 
We know that Mrs. Gardner was up during the night and didn't go to bed until 4 a.m. He believes that Mrs. Gardner killed Rose Harsnett out of jealousy and would have fessed up to the crime if her husband had been convicted. The main reasoning that William Gardner and or his wife couldn't have done it is because their neighbors are positive of where they were that night. Remember that one neighbor who was sure she did not see anyone exit their house all night? And the other neighbor who heard them through the thin walls? That one was sure of where they were because she heard Mrs. Gardner lay down in her bed at 4 a.m. It's kind of concerning that the walls are that thin, by the way. Both of these women were up that night because of the storm that had been raging all night. And both of them were very sure that the gardeners did not leave their house. The solution to this crime is likely an unknown affair or lover. But most probably we never will have a resolution to this crime. We never will know quite what happened. When asked why we investigate murders of the past that were unsolved, Kevin Torton says the victims of murder, regardless of time past, still deserve justice. I believe their voices should still be heard. And that is the reason that we investigate these things today. Because these people who were murdered in history, they still deserve a resolution. If we can find one. They still deserve to have something come of their case and somebody be found out for killing them. Especially ones that are in closer in time because we might actually be able to convict those people. But in any case, I think that all crime should have a resolution, though the probability of that is really small. One of the most tragic pieces of this crime, this murder, is that Rose Harzenet was pregnant. She had a unborn, innocent child that was murdered along with her. And that is just incredibly, incredibly sad. Also, the Crisp family heard in the night what sounded like a scream and a thump. But it was while the storm was raging and so they didn't really think that much of it and they didn't react accordingly if they had reacted maybe rose harsnett wouldn't have died that day maybe they could have saved her life or at least found out who the murderer was because maybe they could have seen the man running away it's a it's just always interesting when small little decisions impact the future. And I believe that that decision was, that was a critical one. If they had gotten up to check and see what was happening, then they would have found Rose Harsnett. And they possibly would have found the killer. But unfortunately, that did not happen. Rose Harsnett was doing some stuff she shouldn't have done. With a man she probably shouldn't have done it with. But we don't necessarily know who that man was. And as a result, Rose was murdered.
So make good choices. <laughs> Don't do what Rose did. <laughs> Keep it in your pants. That is the quite depressing murder of Rose Harsnett. Thank you for listening to the Creepaway Podcast. We're here every Wednesday with a new murder for you. Have a great week.